I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, kia ora, everybody. Welcome along to uh, the Short Ball Rugby Pass podcast. Scotty and Mills with you here. Millsy, I've got something to talk to you about. What's that? Distressed jeans, your thoughts. Oh, yes. Are you a distressed jeans man? I don't mind them. Yeah, I don't mind them, actually. I've got a couple of pairs. So, you see, I, I buy three pairs of jeans every year mm. and maybe four black T-shirts. That's pretty much my <laughs> wardrobe sorted. I went, I went to a shop that sells a particular brand of jeans. It's not a well-known brand of jeans, but they just fit me because I'm a fuller-figured man, as you know. And... Um, I went there and I bought three pairs of jeans. Now, two pairs of the jeans Mm -hmm. were the same price, very reasonable price. But the third pair, when I went to the checkout, which were the same size, the same style of jean, they were $50 more than the other jeans. And I didn't think too much about it. I thought, oh, well, whatever might be the new range, whatever, what's going on here. Only when I got them home, I realized they were $50 more because there's a hole where the bottom of the pocket is and then there's another hole on the shin. What the fuck is that about? I've just got charged fifty dollars for less fabric than the other two jeans. Well, why, why didn't you try them on? Because I didn't need to try them on. That's the whole reason I go to the shop and buy this particular brand of jeans because I know my size, I know the style, I know what they look like. Shit, You're looking at the hole right there. Look, that is styling, mate. A, look, I got fifty dollars. Look, look for a hole, for a hole in my jeans. You reckon it should be a $50 discount because well, there's a hole I in it? I think there should be a discount for being a hole. I don't understand the whole just distressed jeans. I know, like, I've quite often, I know a lot of people listening will know, you get hole in the groin area after a while through wear and tear, especially when you've got chunky, <laughs> chunky thighs like me. You know, you get, you get jean chafing. But I've never been charged $50 because someone has ripped the jeans before they have been put on. There's a bit of colour around it too, mate. So it I know. from the dye too, mate. What the hell? They look damn good, thanks, though. Thanks, mate. I appreciate Shit. it. But is this is this fashion? Is this what we're paying for now? Well, f- mate, you're asking the wrong f- person. Well, you just said you own two pairs. Were your distressed jeans more more expensive than the jeans without holes in them? They were. Well, I don't know where you shop. If you're rearing that true religion shit, I am. I'm ending it. I'm no, ending no, our relationship. I don't. I, don't, no. I um. I bought a couple pairs from uh, Texas Radio, actually. Did you? Yeah. Didn't uh, that that shut ten years ago? No, it's not. Isn't it down in Newmarket? Oh, is it? Yeah. Texas Radio and the Big Beat. I thought yeah. that closed down like a decade ago. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here. Is it still called that then? <laughs> Maybe it's not. I don't know. Anyway, random chat to get us underway. Today on the pod, we're going to talk about uh, last weekend's round of footy and also looking ahead, a couple of other issues that have popped up as well. 
Uh, let's get into it, Mills, on the short ball today. Um, the Highlanders, far too classy for the Stormers. Mm. I need to ask this question. The Stormers have now lost 10 straight on New Zealand soil. Why are they so scared about playing in New Zealand? They are massive human beings. What is the mental blockage they're up against? Yeah, I don't know. It seemed kind of weird, but I was actually quite impressed with the way they played. I mean, with a couple of, I mean, they made a couple of sort of real basic mistakes. They got up um, on that lead, you know, just before half time, and then they sort of let the Highlanders come back in. Um, a couple of kicking options, perhaps they shouldn't have done. So it kind of just seemed like they, as soon as they got ahead, uh, they were getting some momentum, and they just wanted to give the game back. Nine minutes they spent inside the Highlanders' red zone. Nine minutes inside the 22, might have been 9.20 or 9.18, whatever it was. It, it's 40 points worth of time inside the 22. Yeah. There's just a, they, they, they seem to have a total disconnect when it comes to finishing off promising moves. Their offload game is on point. <laughs> yeah. In fact, three of the Stormers are in the top six offloaders in this competition. Yeah. SP yeah. Maria was very good. Uh, Damien Daylendi, I think, is finding his groove yeah, again. Yeah. Damien Willemse, a 19-year-old yeah. fly half. I thought he was absolutely magic in moments in that game. But there's got to be something. He wanted a couple of scraps too, didn't he? He did want a couple of well, Everyone to scrap Aaron Smith. We're going to get to uh, the nugget in just a moment. Um, I, I don't get why it's so hard for them to close the deal. Yeah. Uh, bit, uh, sometimes they seem a bit erratic. And uh, I suppose it's the game they sort of bring sometimes. You know, when they're in... Now, over when they're playing um, in Cape Town, you know, they can get away with it because they've got, you know, the crowd behind them and often that lifts them. Whereas here, they just seem to think, you know, it's going to, something's going to click all of a sudden and they just go off their game because they have, you're right, the, the ball carriers are massive. Uh, you know, the only thing I, I, I probably would say that's a little bit different is probably their, um, you know, the athleticism in the, um, in the Highlanders team. You know, those guys use a bit, a bit more footwork. Um, the white locks of the world, um, you know, so that's probably the only difference. But I just don't understand, you know, why it's not clicking for the for the Highlanders and particularly for the Stormers. Here, you mean Stormers? Sorry, yep. uh, particularly here in New Zealand. I, I'm glad you brought up Whitelock. 24 tackles from him. It's a competition high last round from Luke Whitelock. He is. I, I've got a crush on this bloke. I, th- <laughs> I think he is one of the toughest loose forwards in the world right now, Luke Whitelock. And I know all the headlines uh, over the weekend were for another bloke, Kita Yuani. And mm. yes, he, he's showing his worth with ball in hand. But no one gets about his business as quietly, as ruthlessly, and as efficiently as Luke Whitelock. 24 tackles yep. against a really big side. He must have spent the entire rest of the weekend on ice. Yeah, I, I know. And he they, he started off a little bit slow, but you're right. He just does all that stuff. I mean, um, in that first game against the Blues, but he just does all the hard work. And, mm-hmm. you know, probably one thing that sort of uh, epitomizes him is when people don't talk about you, that means there's something that you've done right, yeah. you know. And Correct. certainly with him, the, the tackle count, I think there was even a moment where I think the Stormers tried to run it out from their own um, in goal area, yeah, that's not good. That is not good when Luke Whitelock just no. comes, you know, straight through those those, those <laughs> uprights. A, that's it. But he was massive. He was massive for them, and yeah, and he'll continue to grow like that too. He's got Adam, George, and Sam. I mean, that man has had to fight for every dinner he's had. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you don't yeah. mess with him. <laughs> I, I, the Highlanders probably should have scored maybe three or four more tries as well. Ben Smith uh, was disallowed on a on a crawl. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Hemelport dropped the ball on the goal line. Yeah. Uh, Waisaki Naholo grew toes where his fingers used to be. <laughs> um, you, you know, they're, they're all those mates. Still scored a double, his third yeah. straight double against the Storms. He was awesome. He was awesome. Um, but I, I do wonder about the Stormers. I know they're low on personnel at the moment. In fact, they had to call players and they had no one left. They originally went for a, a 6-2 split on the bench and ended up going 5-3 just out of 
sheer necessity. Yeah. And they had some illness during the week as well. Peter Steph Dutoy, who probably shouldn't have played given he was knocked out against the Crusaders, but he was in line to play, then illness intervened. So I, I know there's a little bit of a perfect storm for Robbie Fleck, Paul True, and the rest of the coaching staff, but even so, 10 straight defeats in New Zealand, I, I think that's beneath the level uh, of talent that the Stormers have. Yeah, and I suppose when you put it like that, I, I don't think the Stormers would have gone into this tour thinking, you know, we've lost so many games and there's a possibility we'll come out with 10 straight. Um, but, you know, with the talent that they've got and certainly the game plan that they're mm. actually trying to uh, implement, you know, they're, they're a fantastic team. They're just not clicking on the day. Yeah, it was really interesting talking to a few of the Stormers guys. I, I think there is a lot of respect for the way New Zealand rugby goes about its business. And, and, I, and what I mean by that is the fact that uh, everyone – seems to be travelling in the same direction. We brought up and, and broke the news about the All Black camps and, and we know that there's been some low-level dissent over that from a, from a Super Rugby point of view. We know it's not ideal for all the teams. But by and large, every school coach is trying to get his players to play a certain way because they know that's going to give them the best chance to get in an academy program, which is going to give them the best chance of playing provincial rugby, which is going to give them the best chance of playing super rugby, yeah. which is the only way they're going to be all blacks. Mm. It seems to be from the age of around 12, 13 in this country, perhaps even younger, you're on a pathway. You're, yeah. you're playing a certain style of rugby. And speaking to the Stormers in South Africa right now, it is just not thus. Uh, the political divisions in the game, it is riven with uh, different characters, different egos. No one seems to be thinking if we all got our heads around this and, and decided on what is the South African style yeah, of play, yeah. we, we would again be a world force. You cannot call the, the South African rugby a world force at the moment given the fact that these teams keep coming to New Zealand, keep coming on Australasian tours. Like the Bulls last weekend against the Reds, they should never have lost that game. Nah. Um, you know, I think it's going to be tough. Do you see the merit or otherwise in what New Zealand rugby does vis-a-vis -vis what South African rugby seems to be doing right now? Oh, I think there's been a, a, a massive change in South African rugby in terms of the way they've played. And, and, and in some cases, they've probably lost a little bit of the identity from the past. I mean, the two particular teams I'm talking about is obviously the Lions and, uh, and the Stormers. Now, they've gone totally um, different in terms of the way they, they play the game compared to the traditional sort of South African uh, teams. You know, the Lions were, you know, they used to kick a lot. Now they show a little bit of flair. The thing that's the difference between us and them is that the fact we are. We're united right from the very beginning, from 12, 13-year-olds. Kids are learning how to offload. They're learning how to, um, you know, step and things like that. And it's just an exciting, a more exciting way to play. We've got a bit, bit more backyard. It's not covered in barbed wire and stuff like that. That perhaps we can play, <laughs> but play outside with. But <laughs> I mean, you're right. We don't have those sort of challenges we, uh, that, that they do. The political ones, where some, you know, someone's uh, there's but, ego everywhere. I, I know, but it's it's more than race politics. It's it's about. Coaching ideologies, yeah. uh, playing yeah. ideologies. You know, I know that, that race-based politics in South Africa have a big part to play, and I understand why that is. And, and surely anyone who has even a, a skerrick of knowledge of South Africa's racial history will understand why policies are being put in place to try and make this a more fair, a more representative game. But it's not about playing stocks. It's about mm. playing styles. Yeah. 
you have to actually understand that you are all trying to funnel your talent into the same, same. direction yeah. to create a pinnacle team, which in South Africa's case, the Springboks, in New Zealand's case, is the All Blacks. Yeah, the one exciting thing for me about the weekend, one of the most exciting things was, was uh, Salman Murat, the former South African schoolboys captain, making his Super Rugby debut. I mean, this kid's, what, 20 years old. Have you seen, you've seen Happy Gilmore, right? Mm. You know the really large guy, the real big giant? The giant. The big giant in Happy Gilmore? Right. Can't say I've seen you, it. No, you know the guy. You will know the you will know the guy I'm talking about. Salman Murat is basically him. Oh. This kid is 20. He came out and started melting people. I think in one stage he made four consecutive tackles. If that is the shape of the talent at your disposal, man, you guys have got a lot of reason in South Africa to be really happy about what could be. Yeah. This kid was something else, man. I just sitting in the commentary box going, what? What? Well, what, why? I mean, why do they go off that then? You know, the I don't know. It just sort of, sort of seems like they've just, they just don't seem to. They, they sort of forget about that and go to a different sort of type of player mm. when they're so suited to that sort of style, aren't they? Right, you, Damien Willemsa, Salman oh. Murat. I mean, if that's two of the guys you can form uh, the next World Cup team around, uh, and not just the next World Cup, but the one after, yeah. you're in good shape. Yeah. Man. Uh, uh, absolute destructive lock and. Um, I think Damien Willemsen has got the happiest feet of any first five going at the moment, certainly in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, Highlanders go to 2-0, and oh, and uh, they'll take on the Crusaders this week. We'll get to uh, this week's games in just a moment on the short ball, but before we do, uh, we better have a look at the Crusaders-Hurricanes. Have you ever seen a Crusaders team get absolutely blown off the park in the opening quarter like they did on Saturday night in Wellington? They were not ready for the emotion the Hurricanes played with. Yeah, and I don't think anyone was really, to be totally Ooh. honest. We sort of like talked up the, the way the Crusaders absorbed pressure. Yeah. But it just sort of seemed like the, the Hurricanes just got right into them. It was interesting to hear also after the game that you know, Chris Boyd said they didn't want to, you know, take them, make sure that they didn't want to have too many sort of set pieces. Mm. And that really, you know, we've spoken about the way that, uh, you know, Razor's gone away from not just, you know, focusing on your set piece, but the way the Crusaders have played an open style of game. But mm. in the case in the weekend, they just sort of strangled him, you know, and, and that try that Eve scored, you know, you, you never see a Crusaders line out, you know, just, just function like that. And no. so, um, and that just set the tempo for the, for the Hurricanes. A bit of a serious issue to discuss while we're on that Crusaders-Hurricanes game. And, and from a mitigation point of view, losing your captain and yeah, vice-captain. Yeah. Now, Sam Whitelock took a knock. Warren Crotty obviously took a knock and was taken straight out of the game. Sam Whitelock took a knock, got back to his feet. Next stoppage in play, he was taken out of the game, taken for an HIA, didn't pass, set out the game. Yeah, I spoke to him after he said, oh, I was trying to stay on. Yeah, you know, And it's like, I can understand why players want to stay in the game. Now, he got taken off. He had no choice in the matter. Compare that with the Cairn Healy incident no. in the Six Nations on the weekend. The, the Cairn Healy incident to me is an absolute disgrace. Yeah. How you left – and, you know, what's even worse for me is Cairn Healy then gets put in one of the teams of the week from, from a media outlet in the Northern Hemisphere after the Six Nations. He shouldn't be in the team of the week because he shouldn't have been in the game. The man got cleaned up. He's staggering around to the next breakdown. It is sickening to watch. And we all gloss over it in the joy of Ireland's Six Nations victory. Enough's enough. Yeah. Enough is enough. Yeah. You know what? Oh. If, if anything takes the gloss off a win, it is endangering a player. 
Yeah, and 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 there will be people out there that say will say, oh, you know, he's 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 tough. He's this. He carried on as that. You know, he's a hard Fuck hard that. Man. You're right, but. Are they going to be the same people that sort of say the same thing in about 20 years' time when he can't speak? Yeah, and you're feeding him through a straw. Exactly. Look, I know that, look, you know, I am being inflammatory here because I just, when are we going to learn? And, you know, people talk about New Zealand rugby being arrogant in terms of wanting to form relationships with clubs in the north. You know, that they know <laughs> are going to look after their players, that they know are going mm. to have a duty of care. And they were called arrogant when they came out with that move. I just think they're being cautious. Yeah. Because if that's the level of care at international level in the Northern Hemisphere, then God help us. What's the level of care at a private club? I, I just I just don't understand why they... I mean, isn't there a, a standard rule? It's got to be. In ruled rugby, that, that, that sort of happens. You come off and he didn't, you get assessed and that's it. But he just carried on. But someone's got a video clip of this. So that means... now, And, and I want to be fair about this. So I remember a couple of years ago, I, I wrote a piece about Josh Honick uh, in, a, in a Highlanders yeah, Crusaders yeah, yeah. game. And, and he came off for an HIA, even though he was snoring on the field. He should have never been HIA. He should have been mm, out of the yeah. game. But he was taken out of the game at the referee's behest. He passed... He passed an HIA. He came back onto the field. And I wrote at the time how disappointing that was. And, and I remember being confronted with a couple of medical staff who said, look, it's not alpha. We couldn't see it. Now, I understand if one person doesn't see it, one person at ground level on the other side of the field doesn't see it. But everyone else saw it. There are monitors in coaches' boxes. There's monitors in the TMO booth that they can rewind at their own leisure. There are monitors on the sideline. Mm. There are cameras everywhere. Now, are you saying to me that no one, <laughs> and the management of that game or the administration of either of those teams or the refereeing team saw him stumbling after taking that head knock. Yeah. Are you saying no one saw that? Because I find that absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, well, no one's... Well, people are pretending they didn't see it now because they've just glossed over Please. it because of Ireland's win. But Please. I mean, I don't, oh, I don't know, mate. I mean, you don't... What else can you actually do? Do world rugby need to... Stamp down on that this competition or? is under their jurisdiction. Well, yes, then they, they should. Do. Then they, they need. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. To, you know, yeah, they do. And, and we need sanctions on the people involved in the management of these games. Because if this continues to happen, then we are either willfully ignorant as a sport of the harm it can cause. Mm. And those particular incidents too, as we have seen as the Zach Test retirement uh, showed in America, he took a head knock, stayed on the field, took the next one, had a brain bleed. Yeah. Those are dangerous moments for players in the game. I was so stoked to see Sam Whitelock taken out of that game. Uh, obviously, they're not taking any risk with Ryan Crotty. I know it's an imperfect science here. Yeah. I know concussion is an imperfect science, but I, I have spoken to people who work with head injuries on a daily basis, and there is, and there seems to be a denial 
that CTE might be a problem in rugby union. Let me tell you why you can deny that and you can deny it out of hand is because no rugby brain has ever been studied. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for the first one because if that's not Swiss cheese, I don't know what it's going to be. I, I look, I'm not saying you can take every contact out of the game, but we need to be cognizant of the fact that we are all the guardians of this game. We are the custodians of its traditions and we must, we must be vigilant when it comes to head knocks. Yeah. It is just the, how hard this game is right now, how many times these guys are pounding into each other. You, you've got to just take every caution you can, every precaution you can, and, uh, and I hope they do because I don't want to see another Kian Healy incident. I thought it was bad enough in the Lions series watching uh, Alan Wynne-Jones. Yeah. You know, I, I thought that was crazy, but um, it seems like nothing is changing. And I don't, I don't know when it will, Millsy. When does it change? Oh, it's obviously going to take some really big incident to happen and someone become a vegetable before that does. Well, I hope not, you <laughs> no, know? I don't want that. No one wants that. Let's move back to more positive things. The Blues won a game. <laughs> <laughs> you said last week on the pod that maybe getting out of the country, getting together short turnaround might be the best thing that could happen to them. I said they need to win given the calibre of team they put out. They didn't just win. That is a spectacularly oh. good win for the Blues. It was, uh, mate, that is an awesome win. The fact that they were down by so much to keep coming back, they gave a couple of tries away sure. also. And, I mean, but that's, that's possibly what they needed to get away and what a country to go to. What a team to beat. You know, hey, wow, exactly. And, and they did it well. A lot of guys stood up. Um, obviously, they didn't have their captain with them. We spoke about Yuani before the ball. Both the Yuani brothers. Did you? What did you make of uh, Rico in the in, in the uh, centres? Oh, I think he looks really good in the centres. Yeah, I was a little bit worried that he he might not have the uh, distribution skills, but he showed some good flair there. I, I I mean, I don't think you can really find a bad place for Rico either no. on the right, the left, or in midfield. Uh, he's such a big boy. Yeah. Um, what, what was really interesting for me is, uh, you know, the Blues having Sonny Bill there. You think you've got your bully. But because of his offload rate, seven offloads in that game, a guy like Rico Iwani running off your shoulder at that, and we've seen <laughs> and that did, at yeah. Rugby World Cup 2015, yeah. Sonny Bill offload in a mar- that that sort of combination. Um, I, I don't think Rico's an out-and-out bully in midfield yet. No, yet. <laughs> but but if he keeps playing there, he could be. Yeah. The production from the back was outstanding for the Blues. Yeah. Milani Nunai ran 133. Michael Collins ran 124. Yeah, 250 metres between those two guys. Yeah. Uh, that's a significant impact from from the backfield. Yeah, I, I was uh, Milani Nine talented kid, very talented kid. And, and once he gets his offload and sights properly, mm-hmm. you know, he's still giving away a couple of those little ones where it's just costing them a bit. Well, again, it cost them a, a try on the weekend. But the way he's running and the meters he's running, he's elusive. He just needs to start. And and the skill that he's actually doing isn't that um, complicated to be able to you know get a hold of the end of the offload. He just needs to be a little bit more patient and and sight his player first. But apart from that, he was fantastic. Collins coming back. So what what do you think of Collins? I really like Collins in this team. I, yeah. I, I like the way Michael Collins plays. I think he's a really safe player. And what I mean by that, he's just a good decision maker. Yeah, steady, steady. And he and he turns up. You know, Sonny Bill Williams broke. Um, you know, once he was there, right there off his shoulder, got an offload. And, you know, there he was in the twenty-two. Did he need to offload? No, held it, built patience, and that's what you need. You know, a guy like that at the back that's making sound decisions. And then, you know, I like Duffy too. You know, he's, he's a little bit off his game at the moment, but two similar guys that make really good decisions. And then you've got someone like, you know, uh, 
uh, Nine Eye on the other side, who's, you know, you want him to sort of show his free spirit and go out there and express himself. And so it, it just balances them out good. But I certainly think at the moment, you know, Collins is the man to be at the back. You look at the Blues at the moment, their production so far this season has been really good. Maybe not quite their points production at this <laughs> stage. They're still conceding more than they're scoring, but 31 points offensively uh, per game this year. 542 metres. They lead the competition in metres. Mm. They are second in defenders beaten. They are third in clean breaks. So they are doing so much well. They, they certainly lead in offloads per game. And, yeah. and we know that, that SBW is pretty much responsible for most of that. And, and they're right up on the top of the stats, second in passes. So they're playing with a lot of freedom. Yeah. And I know that's not always going to work for you. That, because the big concern for me with the Blues is still their tackling percentage, 81%. Mm. And they have to make the fewest tackles in their opening okay. three games than any other team. So just 81 tackles per game made, but 19 missed. That that. If they get that right, yeah, then then we're looking at a complete team. I think if they can get the the attack side of it, and those the the, the attackers when it's I mean they're making big huge uh, meters, they're gaining them and things like that. It's what I just spoke about before that one little pass, you know, a, a turnover or someone makes a big mistake, bang, they're back down the other end, and so. The predominant, uh, predominantly the, the tackles that they are missing are scrambling stuff. Mm. You know, when they've made their own mistakes, then they've got to try and get back. The, the line's dis, disjointed. And so they're, they're actually putting a lot more pressure on themselves. So if they, if they can just get that, I mean, yes, you know, the 81 is, is, is not fantastic and they need to, um, you know, try and fix it. But I think if, if they can just sort out a lot of their... Um, so you're saying that most of their missed tackles are coming in their transition D and if they can get that figured out. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. If they, if, they can, if they can sort that out, I think they'll, they'll be fine. At the moment, we're seeing a few offloads go to ground. Some of them are turning into points. But the, you, you kind of just get the feeling that once those, those ones sticky... I mean, it was evident in the Chiefs a few years ago when everyone started offloading. What didn't go, quite go right, but all of a sudden it just clicked. And, and when it did, you know, they were just fantastic. And so it, there's a similar, similarity there in the Blues, I think. Yeah, but you had Sidovini. <laughs> Anything clicks when Sidovini clicks. Anything happens when Sidovini clicks, mate. No, I still love that story about Sidovini Sivivatu. I think Stephen Donald moved in with him. And uh, he used to sit in his lounge with all the heaters on in the house. <laughs> it was the middle of summer. Under a blanket, they got a they got a power bill. I think the first month's power bill was three thousand dollars. Oh shit! <laughs> I, think, I think Beaver moved. I think, I think Beaver moved out that week. Three thousand dollar power bill, set of any. Okay, you're on the short ball with Mills and Scotty. We'll move on to uh, round five, week five, uh, and the two Kiwi games. Uh, the Hurricanes obviously on a buy, um, which they will love mm-hmm. after that victory over the Crusaders. Uh, the Chiefs taking on the Bulls on Friday night. Uh, speaking of teams that struggle in New Zealand, the Bulls are no different to the Stormers. And uh, losing to the Reds last weekend must have been an absolute ball ache for them. John Mitchell uh, said after the first win against the Hurricanes that they were trying to lay down some foundations. Yeah. Well, those foundations look a bit shaky all of a sudden. But they're up against the Chiefs side that I don't know how they won at Eden Park in round two. I, I don't. I still don't. 16 injuries, some of them season ending. 16 injuries uh-huh. after two weeks of footy. So they're coming off a bye uh, and their first home game at uh, FMG Waikato. Uh, are the Bulls a chance here or are we just going to see the Chiefs machine roll on? If there's ever a chance the Bulls are going to win, it's this weekend. Got to be, right? It has to be because they are. The, the, the Chiefs are depleted. You know, I mean, how they won at Eden Park, that is just pure heart. Mm. You know, and now, yes, they'll get, I think they might get Haynes back this weekend, but... 16 players, when you're talking about you know how many guys are out and who they have to bring the new guys in, I mean, this is now the, the Bulls' chance to um, to get in there and, and actually win. They, they, they should be favourites, really. What? 
The Bulls are favourites against the well, Chiefs six, at home. Six, 16 guys out. Understood. Understood. But I hope man. the Chiefs are listening to this. They might get up again. Yeah, I, mean, I, can't, believe yeah. I can't believe you'd say that about, uh, about your Chiefs. That's crazy. The Bulls aren't doing a lot with the ball. That's the unfortunate thing. Certainly carrying-wise, they're making some metres, but... I just don't know if they've got enough deception on attack to no. fool that Chiefs defensive line. <laughs> the one thing I know about the Chiefs defence, it's going to be up and in your face. Sam Kane's going to make 6,000 tackles and Brady Retallick will return this week as well. Yeah. So you've got that extra uh, hurdle to climb for the Bulls. I, I know what you're saying about the Bulls and I, I know they're probably going to have a good week down there in Hamilton. John Mitchell will like being home. Marty Veal's come across from New York to help with that set mm. piece, which is great for him and, and for the Bulls as well. I, I can't see the Chiefs losing this at home. Not, not first up. No, I, well, I mean, apart from the fact they've got lots of injuries, I'm, I'm more interested in who plays 10 uh, for the Chiefs and because that's, that'll probably you know steer the way the, the Chiefs end up playing. Uh, one thing's for sure is... Well, Stevenson will be back this week, won't he? I mean, I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure how serious that injury was. He, he certainly wasn't carried off the park. I haven't heard any update on, on where he's at. But, nah, but yeah. if he's fit, we go back to usual, don't we? Damien McKenzie back in a 10? Yeah, you'd think so. But if he's not there, then you know, do they... Do, do they you know, yeah, Falcon still stays there, or you know, what do they actually do? But um, I'd like to see the Chiefs win. The thing is, as I said before, you know, this is the the best chance the Bulls will have at trying at actually getting a, a W. Well, I got the Chiefs this week, and then got Crusaders next week. So of those two games, and given as you said the strength of each roster at the moment, number of injuries involved, you'd have to pick the Chiefs as their easiest fixture yeah. on this tour. Let's uh, stay with the Crusaders. Millsy on the short ball to wrap things up today. Taking on the Highlanders, I love the Southern Classic. I think it has become the must-watch local matchup in Super Rugby. Do they get the All Blacks back? Yeah. Oh, they do. So they're yeah. just on that. Just one camp, a foundation day. Just the one day? Just one day. Foundations, Millsy. Foundations. Foundations. Build those foundations. You've got to build right? the foundations. Crusaders yeah. taking on the Highlanders. So they're going to go from 19 of them who are involved in a one-day camp with the All Blacks all sharing philosophies and what they want to achieve with the All Blacks to by the, um, yeah, by the way, belting 10 sacks of shit out of each other on uh, <laughs> Saturday night in Dunedin. I, the Crusaders would go into most contests saying, we've got you at the set piece, not against the Highlanders. 100% scrum for the Highlanders this yeah. year. Clark Dermody must be hmm. sitting there thinking he is God yeah. right now. Amazing. Well, both teams have got great uh, scrum coaches, haven't they? But you're, you're right. When you get 100% in your, um, in your scrums, Durham's just licking his lips. And so, you know, the Crusaders coming off a loss, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll lick their wounds. They'll know that the place that they actually got beaten up is, is probably their heart, you know, their, their, their set piece. Um, and, you know, they're, they're all taken to school by a very good uh, Hurricanes team. So it's it's leading up to a massive game. The, the one thing about the Highlanders, and, and you mentioned it before about working on their individual skills, uh, I know it's been something that Aaron Major has really focused on. Mm. Uh, in recent seasons, they've had a latch game, ball runner, you latch on, you drive through the ruck, you start again. What they figured out was that the Crusaders were tackling the latcher Leaving straight the ball away. carrier isolated yeah. and then the likes of Matt Todd straight over the ball, you're getting your turnovers. And in those two very close games last year, you could see that in effect. Yeah. So they've really worked on their stepping game as individual forwards, yeah. their offload game in the tackle. You're not seeing so much connection with the ball runner and support player. Uh, I wonder if that's going to go some way to giving them the edge at, at Forsyth Bar. Uh, the game last year, they should have won. Oh. They were 20 points up and uh, they allowed the Crusaders back. Yeah, this is a Crusaders side that would be really rattled by what happened in Wellington. Yeah. I, I know they've got the confidence to overcome that, but the Highlanders will be licking their lips ready for this. What did Ruby Tui call their defence? The, the Wolfpack? The Wolfpack. <laughs> They'll love it because if the Hurricanes showed anything, it's that the, the rush, 
when executed properly, yeah. can really shut down the Crusaders' ability to move the ball. Yeah, and and Aaron Major is a smart man. You know, even even when he was a you know as a player, he was you know tactically sound. So he would have looked at that game very hard and thought a thought. You know, here's some opportunities that we can actually get the Crusaders. The points that you bring up, fantastic, because you know when you often get isolated from your support player. You know, that's when it's, you know, time while well, it's on to actually steal the ball. Okay, the Highlanders now can hold on to the ball a bit longer. But the thing that, you know, you talk, you talk about individ, other individual skills, the thing that really excites me about the Highlanders is their kicking game and how mm. spot on that is. Mm. You know, when, you, when you're box kicking like Aaron Smith does from the, basically the middle of the field and he's getting it spot on for guys like Ben Smith and Waisaki Naholo who had a fantastic game in the weekend. I mean, it allows those guys to get up and claim their ball back. All of a sudden, the momentum's changed. Um, you know, he, he's picking his moments. Um, you know, Aaron Smith, left foot, sort of chip over the top after a, a penalty um, tap. And so those individual s- skills are really starting to, to show. Even what we're sucking a hole. I think he even sort of did a backhand sort of pass off the ground. Oh, whenever. When, when doesn't he do something crazy? Well, maybe that's stop. Tavita Nabura on the other side as oh, well. Exactly. The Outer Islanders. Now, uh, I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to finish today's short ball on Aaron Smith. A lot of comments about uh, how much he <laughs> chatted through the game uh, last week. You know, I swear, the more he yells at someone, the better he gets. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Because he finished that game as if he had not played 79 minutes of rugby beforehand. Yeah. Nah. That guy's aerobic fitness is something else. Not only is he at every ruck faster than any other halfback, not only are his passes crisper than any other halfback, but he's yelling at people the entire game, not just his own team. He is whooping every time there's a drop ball. He's chahooing every mistake the opposition makes. Everyone wanted a piece of him. He started scraps with about three different guys. I know that you're, you, there's some people who say, ah, oh, enough already, Aaron Smith. Nah, man, get amongst it. Nah, I love it. I, I, love, I love the way he's playing at the moment, the enthusiasm he's showing. And as you say, I mean, to be able to run around for 79 minutes and yell at the same time, that is a tough ass. <laughs> Hey, I'll be uh, five in. I'll be a. He, he doesn't uh, have a break from it, does he? He no, doesn't. Never. It never stops. So no, I, I'm loving. I, mean, I, I think we should stop. have an alternative audio feed yeah. for Highlanders games just on Aaron Smith. <laughs> can you imagine Aaron Smith mic'd up in a game? <laughs> it would be nuts. But you can see why people hate him. They hate playing yeah, him. Yeah, hate playing. And him. everyone wants a piece of him. He's picking fights with first fives, locks, loose forwards, props. It doesn't matter. He yeah, is yeah. in the grill and he is annoying. Would probably have to be the most annoying halfback ever, you reckon? In terms of chat, <sighs> possibly. I think on a par at the moment with Will, uh, with uh, with George Gregan. Oh yes, I think yeah, on a par yeah, with Gregan. Yeah, if mate, you ask Justin Marsh about George Gregan, um, yeah, I, yeah, how how Marsh <laughs> did not actually take a knife out of a sock and stab him is uh, is beyond me. But um, yeah, George Gregan had some great chat, but but Aaron Smith picked up. Would you would you rather play with Aaron Smith or against him? No, oh, with, with, yeah. with, mate, with for sure. Without him, uh, <laughs> I, I hate that sort of stuff, eh? I just honestly, I just can't stand it. I just kind of like oh. you'd lose it. Eh? If you were playing now, would you have a fight with him? Would you punch him? Oh, I'd do it. You'd come in for one, eh? You would, you would come in for. Well, one. he's probably the smallest man on the field. Of course, I would. You mate. would, eh? Yeah, right from the back, mate. Who was the Who was the biggest player you ever started a fight with? I didn't start fights. Mate. Who was the biggest player you ever got in a fight with? I was that person 
because I was playing from so far back, as soon as something erupted, I'd be like, yeah, I'll just storm in there. By the time I get there, it'll be cleared up and I'll be last and I'll just grab a couple of jerseys and yeah, then I'll look you were, tough. The, you were that guy who ran 80 metres to <laughs> hug the try scorer to get your GPS numbers up. Hey, why else do you think I got my GPS numbers up? <laughs> so hug the try scorer, run in when there's a fight. Mate, that's at least 80, 100 metres plus. Thank you. And thank you, Millsy. That's a short ball for another week. Make sure you catch all the Super Rugby action, not just the Kiwi games, on rugbypass.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.